Hi, everybody. This is Dave Hodges, imitated. Yes, no, it really is me. I'm a little under the weather, and I uh, apologize for that up front. But we have a critically important interview with Patrick Wood. So let me just tell you, first of all, you are listening to The Common Sense Show, and we are the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And uh, fortunately, Pat's got a lot of information to present, and you're not going to have to listen to me a whole lot. And uh, I promise I'll get through this without coughing all over you. But I uh, can't guarantee the voice is going to hold up, but that's okay. This is too important to postpone, given other things that people like Paul Preston, Marilyn Rupar, and myself are investigating. Pat is backing right up to our work, and it's a two-pronged attack that we're finding against America, and he's going to lay it out. But before we start, I need to let you know that we are brought to you by, well... (laughs) I got to tell you, folks, if you don't have storable food, I'm just going to say this to you right now and make it real short and sweet. FEMA tells you you need six months. If you don't have that, you got to get started now. But we can get you started in two and four week packets. So we take the burden off you financially. 70% off, 25 year shelf life, restaurant quality. Go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. And you'll get all the details there. And please join the people who are getting ready for what's coming. Because what's coming could be pretty darn ugly. And we're also brought to you by Health Masters. And you heard me talk a lot about Ted Brewer. Why I go to Health Masters before I go to my doctor. And I've had great results. You've heard Doug Hagman say the same thing. Find out more by going to healthmasters.com. And use the coupon code DH5 to take 5% off. Well... Let's get right down to business. Pat Wood is no stranger to this program. He's no stranger to me. I followed him since the late 70s, early 80s, when he and Anthony Sutton wrote a landmark book. And I understand it's still available. We're going to tell you how to get it before we're done. But it was called Trilaterals Over Washington, and they're still hovering over Washington. They're hovering over the world, in fact. And let's welcome Pat in. And Pat, we got a lot of unpacking to do here, my friend. You've written a terrific article, and I'd like to use that as a basis for the interview. But I'm also going to bridge a little bit into what we're doing on our end as well. So welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Dave. Uh, you're absolutely right. This is a, this is a huge story. It, it didn't really just start today, but of course, but it's been building. And now... The, uh, the dam, I think, has burst today with the revelation that, uh, that AOCs, that's Alexandria um, Ocasio, whatever, Ocasio crazy, we call them, uh, her Green New Deal, we discovered, has been plagiarized from a 2009 United Nations report that was written specifically for this kind of thing. It, the, the, the title of the thing was called A Global Green New Deal. A Global Green New Deal. So they could have been even smart enough to change the title. They didn't even change the title. This, is, this was a 144-page report, uh, very, quote-unquote, authoritative, you know, with all kinds of experts and stuff weighing in on, on different pieces of it. But one single thing they said in that report by the way 10 years ago it has happened come true or whatever it's a total flop it's as much of a flop as Paul uh, Ehrlich was Ehrlich's book was a population bomb back in the 1960s nothing came true and that in that situation nothing's come true <clears throat> in what they've said in this uh, this global green new deal report but I if I back up a minute here's how it's here's how the thing started uh, last week um, I posted an article on March 13. That's just five days ago. When I discovered, uh, you've heard of this the school protest where students are walking out of classrooms oh, yeah, in yeah. support of you know climate uh, climate protest, and this is global, but it's happening in America. It's being you know it's kind of part of the global movement called the Sunrise Movement. Well. The movement in the United States, I find out, is being headed up by a young 16-year-old girl whose mother happens to be representative Ilan Omar's, well, her daughter. And it's like, that shook me. That shocked me. I mean, wow, out of the blue. This is the representative, of course, who, from Minnesota, Democrat from Minnesota, who recently was was busted for anti-Semitic remarks in Congress. She's newly elected, she's a freshman. 
She's radical. I mean, beyond belief radical. She's totally into the Green New Deal, supporting AOC. And her daughter, apparently, was put up to the task of running, spearheading, this entire nationwide student protest against climate change, against global warming. That was the first thing. So I published that article. It was just called, yeah, Nationwide Climate Change School Walkouts, led by Representative Ilan Omar's daughter. Then, um, on the 15th, just two days later, the Club of Rome, now you know the Club of Rome, I, most of your listeners probably do too, they issued a tweet on Twitter, out of the blue, I mean, it's a little out of character form, somebody had their finger on the send button on the Twitter account, and this tweet said, the Club of Rome deems the students' concerns to be utterly justified and calls on governments to listen to the call for urgent action from young people, scientists, and experts across the globe. And they put a link to their full-page statement. Well, I was compelled to write an article about that, so I wrote another article. And I, you know, just listing this statement, I printed the whole thing in full. It came out of Switzerland. But this was the organization that originally wrote Limits uh, to Growth in 1968-69. This was the book that started the scaremongering that we see today that fed directly into the Trilateral Commission. There was lots of membership overlap back in those days between the Club of Rome and the Trilateral Commission. But this is what started it all. So the Club of Rome all of a sudden says, oh, we're all for this. Yeah, well, if they say they're for it, what I say is, like Patrick Henry famously said, I smell a rat. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's something wrong here. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so I published that article and it got a lot of traction. Over the weekend, I got an email from a friend of mine, Dr. Willie Soon, who's a, a very well-known, uh, well, he's a scientist, a physicist, talks a lot about global warming and, you know, all the highfalutin stuff that, no, that I don't understand about atmospheric issues and stuff, but he's a genius at it. He sent me a link to an article uh, or this report that had been discovered by a gentleman uh, that works at the, the, actually is the head of the Heartland Institute. I think he started it circulating, but, but Willie soon knew that I would be interested in it, so he sent me a copy. The title of the article is Rethinking the Economic Recovery, colon, a, green, a Global Green New Deal. A Global Green New Deal. Now, this was published in 2009 by the United Nations, in particular by the UN Environmental Program, UNEP. Those are the people that brought the Rio de Janeiro conference to us back for Agenda 21 in 1992. UNEP sponsored this, and this, this article, you know, or white paper, it was 144 pages, was filed away in the United Nations somewhere. I doubt any, many people were reading it. But after reading some of this article, Dave, I about flipped my wig. Because this is where AOC's Green New Deal came from. There is no doubt about it. <clears throat> and it has the global elite's footprints, all fingerprints, all over it. The, the author or lead author of the report uh, a, it was a professor um, at the time at University of Wyoming. His name was Edward Barbier. He credits as sources, you know, he thanks all the people that helped him and stuff. But in that list, he credits two organizations that jumped out of that report at me. Number one was the Center for American Progress. Well, that's John Podesta. Mm -hmm. Mr. Climate himself, John Podesta. Holy mackerel. If John Podesta had anything to do with this 2009 report, you know that there's snakes in the woodpile. Well, the Center for American Progress is one of the most radical left-wing organizations in, the, in the, the country, probably in the world. John Podesta founded it, and he he served up America's environmental policy for at least two decades, maybe longer. 
He was Bill Clinton's chief of staff. He was a special counselor to Barack Obama on climate change. He was also Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign manager. Exactly, yeah. This is the man. This is Mr. Climate himself. This is the guy that helped architect the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement. And say, well, how did he do that? Well, the nations of the world did not make up the text of the Paris Climate Agreement. It was made up by uh, what the UN called a high-level panel on post-2015 development agenda. That high-level panel had about, I think, 30 people or so from all over the world that were members of it. And there, and John Podesta was one of them, and he was clearly the strong man of the whole group. But that very small group was responsible for creating the text that was presented at the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, you know, whatever, Accord Conference in, in Paris in 2015. So, yeah, so John Podesta is right smack dab in the middle of this. That, that was just a major shock to me right straight off. Secondly, I took a look at the board of directors uh, for the um, CAP just for kicks. And you find people like Senator Tom Daschle, for instance, Stacey Abrams, Donald Sussman, and a California billionaire who tried to swamp Arizona with this clean energy nonsense, Tom Steyer. It's like, oh my gosh, this is like a hall of fame for radical billionaires. So that was one thing, you know, chalk one. Then my eyes fell down a little further in this list, and lo and behold, Here's the Peterson Institute for International Economics. He thanks them. Well, they had written a report called a Green Global Recovery, question mark, assessing U.S. economic stimulus and the prospects for an international coordination. <laughs> Gee. Hmm. Well, the Peterson Institute was founded by Peter G. Peterson, who died last year. He was old like Henry Kissinger, one of the original members of the Trilateral Commission. And the Peterson Institute is like a who's who of the Trilateral Commission. I mean, who's who? Their board of directors includes this few, this small list of people. I'll just say just a few. It's not the whole thing, but just a few. Larry Summers. Oh, C. Fred Burston. Oh, oh. Tell Richard people who Larry Cooper, Summers is. Don't go anywhere. Stanley Fisher. Yeah. Robert Zellick, former USTR that negotiated TPP. Alan Greenspan. Carla A. Hills, the lady that architected NAFTA back in 19, you know, the early 1990s. George Schultz, former Secretary of State, among other things. Paul Volcker, another uh, Federal Reserve Federal Reserve Chairman. Yep. Along with Alan Greenspan, and then last of the list is former Mexican President Ernesto Centillo, who, who, as you remember, was one of the three amigos back with uh, with George Bush. Oh, North American Union. Yes, North American Union. Yeah. This, he was a president of Mexico, and he's a member of the Trilateral Commission. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I just Okay, so... The Center for American Progress, which is kind of a left-wing group, along with the Peterson Institute, was kind of a right-wing group as far as political separation is concerned. They collaborated in this report, 2009. And now, all of a sudden, and we read down it, we see the markers that this is, this is in fact, the Green New Deal that, that AOC and the Justice Democrats and so on have come up with. <clears throat> this proves, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the Justice Democrats did not create something new that would have great public support. Not new at all. And of course, you, we could we could make the charge that they plagiarized this from this document. For all we know, the, the United Nations gave, gave permission to do it. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if they came up with a written permission statement. But until we see something like that, we can conclude they simply lifted the text and the ideas from this 2009 report. They repackaged it. They got some nice graphic design behind it. They got a pretty face to push it with AOC, and away it's gone. The stuff, the stuff that's listed in this 144-page report, it's way too long to cover just in our, our interview here. 
But the first thing that struck me is they immediately likened the global Green New Deal to the need for an initiative like Roosevelt's New Deal back yes. in the 30s. I've seen That's those comparisons. First, thing they, out, first right. thing they came out, they said, yeah, this, it, it need, this is what it needs to be. Revive the global economy, they say, create unemployment opportunities and protect vulnerable groups, um, reduce carbon dependency, ecosystem de- degradation of water scarcity, further the Millennium Development Goals, which are now the uh, Sustainable Development Goals, of ending extreme world poverty by 2015. This like, oh yeah, this is exactly the same talking points you have in the current Green New Deal. If, if those terms were rewritten, they'd, they'd go like this. Revive the U.S. economy, create unemployment opportunities, and protect vulnerable, vulnerable groups. Uh, reduce carbon dependency, ecosystem degradation, and water scarcity. Further sustainable development goal number one by ending extreme world poverty by 2030. It's just, they changed the text. They, they localized it to the United States is what they did. Um, getting rid of carbon dependence. Same example again. The language came almost word for word. I dropped my teeth at this one. The original 2009 report said, here's, the, here's what we need to do. Retrofitting buildings to improve energy efficiency. <laughs> how about that? That got her and AOC in a lot of trouble for saying that. How are we going to do that? How are we going to retrofit everything? Well, this was the idea back in 2009. They said uh, expanding mass transit and freight rail. Uh, cons- they, wanted, they said constructing a smart electrical grid transmission system. This is a huge part of AOC's deal. And they talked about developing renewable energy. <clears throat> of course, we know that shtick, uh, wind power, solar power, next generation biofuels, and whatever. Just lifted straight out of this report 10 years ago and put into the Green New Deal today and is trying to, trying to pass it off to the American people is, we're young people, you know, and we have ideas and thoughts too. Well, I hate to say it, but the fraud that I've uncovered in my books, Technocracy Rising and Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order, the global elite has promoted this nonsense from day one, starting back in 1973, when Rockefeller started the Trilateral Commission. This was the agenda to promote technocracy, which later became sustainable development. They fed it to the United Nations hook, line, and sinker as sustainable development. This is all this is pure, unadulterated UN garbage. And they're trying to push it on our entire country. And now they're trying to use our children to get political power, to get some kind of leverage to make this happen. I've never seen such a brazen, unprincipled attack on people, especially young people, to use them in a merciless way to get their political agenda done. I, I'm, it leaves me speechless, Dave. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of young people who right today, this is in the press today, right today are scared to death that the world is going to end in 15 years, that it will become uninhabitable. They're scared to death. They don't have any way to disprove these claims. They don't have any way to prove them either. They don't have, they're just, they're totally defenseless and they're scared to death. I mean, you want to go out and hug them, but you know, if you do, they'll probably hit you with their signs. (laughs) But these are just kids. In some cases, they're even down to junior high kids carrying signs. It's just so cruel. It's so mean spirited. It's so unbelievably anti-human. It's just inconceivable. So there was an article came out in Vox titled Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is making the Green New Deal a 2020 litmus test. And she, the article wrote, until now, the Green New Deal has been more of an idea than an actual policy. Oh, really? <laughs> an idea? No, they're wrong. 
it has been an actual policy. And then they say this week, uh, an Ocasio-Cortez resolution is set to make a debut. The plan prioritizes climate change, but its strength lies in its symbolic ties to one of the Democratic Party's biggest historical success, the original New Deal under President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun, Dave. Bottom line. Yeah, but Pat, I've gone through both because I've heard these comparisons, especially when you hear the term New Deal, you got to look. Yep. Roosevelt was far afield from what they want to do. You know, let me, yes and no. Roosevelt was a political machine. He, he was very politically astute. But he was elected in the day when technocrats were rising to power or fame anyway in America. And there was a book written that called on Roosevelt to declare himself dictator in order to implement technocracy. If that had, if he had done it, if he'd taken him up on it, we would be, I don't know what we'd, we'd be totally different today. But he didn't. But the technocracy movement was strong enough that many, <clears throat> many of the people that were involved in technocracy were inducted into his administration. And they begin to do technocrat-like things. So it doesn't mean that he was a you know, card-carrying technocrat. He probably was not. But the influence of technocracy in his administration was profound. And that's pretty much just, at this point, that's just pretty much a fact of history. I actually have a copy of the book that asked him to, to declare himself dictator. I couldn't believe it. I saw the book somewhere on a rare books site, and I, I just I got to buy it, pay 20 bucks for it, just, just so I could have it. It's a little teeny little book. Nobody printed big books back in the 30s, by the way. They were all little books, I've, I've discovered, because who could afford a big book? <laughs> or who would, who would pay for it? So, you know, the, the historical fact is there was quite an influence of technocracy within the Roosevelt administration, but he never declared himself to be an eco whatever, you know. Uh, Hitler did, on the other hand. Uh, Hitler had a large number of technocrats in his administration, and he did declare himself to be a grainy, an eco-fascist, if you will. And he had a great influence of technocrats. The technocrats in his administration ran most of the technical machinery that allowed him to almost conquer planet Earth. Um, so this, this group is not to be sneezed at for sure. But here they are, the, you know, regardless of what it was back then, it was hijacked. The whole movement, Lock, Stock and Barrel, was hijacked by the Rockefeller crowd in 1973. That I'm certain of. And somewhere in their discussions they said we can use this to escape from money which eventually is going to fail they knew that back then there'd be a time when money would be useless it would just totally worthless but they were after the resources of the world they said this is the way we can get the resources of the world under our control and do it in such a way that the people will virtually beg us to do it <laughs> and off they went now, somebody, I wrote this article on the Club of Rome last week uh, after they tweeted that, yep, we're all behind these young students out there. Go students, you know, rip them up. Well, the Club of Rome had a lot of overlap with the Trilateral Commission back in those days, the membership. They don't have any members today on their, on, on, from the Trilateral Commission, but they did back then. And the Club of Rome was originally started at a uh, retreat in Italy that was owned by, guess who? David Rockefeller. <laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> okay. The pieces are starting to come together, aren't they? <laughs> this, this is the, I, I've said this before, but this is the scam of the millennium, Dave. It's just the biggest snake oil scam that I have ever seen in my life. And all this political garbage that we see today with AOC and, and Ilhan Omar and all the rest of this crowd, Justice Democrats and the Young Turks and all this stuff, this is not new. All of these people are being played as the useful idiots by the global elite to get their way. 
just pure and simple. That's all it is. Well, if I didn't know you better, I would have thought you sat down and made this up. Probably so. This is um, this is stunning. Let's get into a concept that I want to analyze here, and it's you ask for the moon, but here's what you'll settle for. Do mm-hmm. you see any of that in the new gangrene deals, I like to call it? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think they're willing to slough off and say, yeah, yeah, we're reasonable, we'll compromise, but mm-hmm. what are we definitely going to see if these people get their way? Well, they've already started um, down that road, I think, of compromise. And as other Democrats and stuff have jumped on board, uh, you can bet that it will be <clears throat> backtracked a little bit. Like like the Democrats will say, oh, that's too radical for us. We know we need to make it. We need to soften the edges, whatever. They will. But the key to this thing, what we're seeing here, is that this entire Green New, New Deal with all, I mean, all the surrounding sustainable development stuff, it's revealed to us just how radical it really is. And you know, I've been saying before it is radical. You've heard me say it. We've talked about it on this program. We talked about uh, Dr. Prague Khanna's book, Technocracy in America. I said that was radical, and it was. He wanted, to, he wanted to get rid of the Senate and the office of the president and have a committee of presidents. I mean, this is radical stuff. Give up the Constitution? Hey, give it to the Supreme Court, he said. You know, let the Supreme Court update it and modernize it for the modern world. Oh, that's really cool. Well, I've, I've talked about how radical this movement is. It was radical back in the 30s, and that's why it got rejected ultimately by the American people. That's why it got banned in Canada for two years when they mistook it for being a Nazi organization. And it's radical. It's still radical. These We've seen how radical the people are at, at Facebook and at Google and at Twitter and at Amazon and, and so on. Big tech. We've seen how radical these people are. Well, AOC came out and she let every cat out of the bag that there was in the bag and told the world, showed the world how crazy radical her agenda is. Now, now, if it gets cut down to something less than what she said, and people say at that point, well, thank God it's not so radical anymore. <laughs> they will have missed a point. The radicalness of this movement is not going to change. Their goal, Dave, the United Nations has stated this openly. You, we've talked about Christiana Figueres before, who used to be the head of climate change at the United Nations. She said point blank that the goal, their goal is to replace capitalism and free enterprise with sustainable development. And sustainable development is technocracy warmed over from the 1930s, a resource-based economic system where you and I don't get to have any of those resources. They will conveniently take care of those resources for us, for our future generations. Isn't that just great of them to do that for us i'm very sarcastic about this yeah but pat they own it they have the divine right of kings at least in their mind they do in their mind they have the divine right of something but uh you know the 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 tragedy uh, of this is that they're pushing us back to the dark ages ultimately where we'll be living under a feudal system controlled by advanced technology, I might add. It'll be a scientific dictatorship. But they're pushing us back to a feudal system where a very few number of people will own everything and control everything. And the people will have no say whatsoever. The people will be told what they can eat, what they can consume, what they can have. And if you are smart enough to be a manufacturer or a businessman or something like that, they will tell you what you are allowed to make and how many resources you will be allowed to use in making it. And if you make a profit, that's your business. But you may not. <laughs> you may just barely squeak by on a break-even basis. Do you see a relationship between the Mel- Michelle Obama lunch program and what you just said about we'll tell you what you can and can't eat? Well, there's the there's the mindset yeah. uh, behind it. I'm, I don't know how much Michelle Obama is involved in in uh, 
this whole thing right this second. I obviously is because Obama was, and Obama was uh, his right hand man was John Podesta. So I'm sure she's pretty savvy. But the mindset that one person can tell other people how to behave is not American. This is not America. I say that again and again. This is not America. It's not American. It's anti-American. Um, and people can make their own decisions just fine all by themselves without somebody like Michelle Obama. And you know what? She did that to the most vulnerable of society. She didn't go tell the adults to eat carrots. She went to the kids. The kids... The kids don't have a choice. They got to do what the school tells them to do. And so it was it, it, it was low-hanging fruit for her to do that, to go to the schools in particular. You know, in a, in a way, it's kind of like, how come, how come all the mass shootings take place in gun-free zones? <laughs> well, you and I know why, because there's no guns there. There's nobody to, nobody to refute them. They just have their way, and they go do it. So you see vulnerable pockets in society, like children especially, are so vulnerable they get picked on. I mean, just, just look at the whole abortion thing. You know, the, 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 the unborn babies can't defend themselves. So, hey, easy pickets. Let's, let's just abort them before they get enough strength, whatever, to hold a gun. <laughs> That's like, it's almost as good as gun control. Just don't let those little hands ever get their hands on a, on a gun. And you just identified or re-identified the reasons why the kids were chosen by the Club of Rome, funded, pushed out into the streets to say, hey, we need climate control. Yes. Same group. Yes, it is. It's the same group. This, uh, this movement, the website of uh, Sunrise Movement, which is sponsoring all these kids and stuff, the one whose daughter uh, of Il Ilhan Omar's daughter is running, uh, or at least spearheading this protest. The Sunrise Movement website states, we're building an army of young people to make climate change an urgent priority across America. End the corrupting influence of fossil fuel executives on our politics and elect leaders who stand up for health and well-being of all people. We're ordinary young people who are scared about what the climate crisis means for the people and places we love. We're gathering in classrooms, living rooms, and worship halls across the country. Everyone has a role to play. Public opinion is already with us. If we, if we unite by the millions, we can turn this into political power and reclaim our democracy. There you go, political power. That's what they're talking about. Who wants that political power? Club of Rome, Trilateral Commission, United Nations, they sure do. This isn't political power that the useful idiots, the poor little children, useful idiots are gonna ever get their hands on. If any political power comes out of it, it's immediately gonna be used by the global elite to shove everything else down our throat. What's the next step? The next step for them is we're gonna bust their chops all the way down to ashes, I hope. No, but and I'm saying already, what, is their uh, next, it, what is their next step on their agenda? They've got the kids <clears throat> in the street. They've got yeah. this crazy legislation pending out there from Ocasio-Cortez. Mm -hmm. what, what are they going to do next? <clears throat> well, I, I don't think they have any other big cards to play. Uh, they pretty much let everything hang out from the get-go. But I will tell you this. They will be doing damage control very shortly. Because word is getting out like like uh, like going viral right now about the corruptness and the lameness of this whole movement. I'll give you I'll give you three examples. Number one, there's been a survey of economists across America to analyze the Green New Deal. Not one economist, not one. I think there was like a hundred that were on this this, this survey list. Not one said that there was a, even a ghost of a chance of the Green New Deal ever working in practice. Now, that tells you something right there. I've been begging economists for probably 15 years now to analyze sustainable development and make some kind of intelligent uh, you know, comment on it. Like, will this work or not? Nobody's ever taken me. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's interested and they want to look at it. So you, and they look at it and say, holy mackerel, this won't work. This is stupid. This is ridiculous, which is what I said from the beginning. Well, I have an economic background, as you know. 
that's one thing. Secondly, just just in the popularity movement right now, uh, AOC's popularity is falling like a rock. People already have just tired. They're tired of her. They're they're tired of her her, her mouth moving all the time. Uh, the crazy stuff she's saying. They just figure this woman is insane. Nah, not insane. Insane like a fox. Maybe she's not totally insane. But people are tired of her, and her and her reputation, her her popularity is just falling like a rock. Third, her campaign manager, who is one of the principal architects behind Green New Deal, um, he's in big trouble with the election commission right now because of misappropriation of funds in her election campaign. And I think this could get some real legs to it. And if he gets indicted and thrown in prison, that's going to be a huge black eye to her because. You know, right out of the gate. I mean, you're doing world class, uh, you know, Clinton type things and Obama type things, <laughs> you know, with campaign finance. And she thought she could get away with a little small fry from from wherever. And, um, you know, you don't you don't play with the Clintons and the Obamas that easily and do the stuff they did and think you're just going to skate. So they may get busted right there for that. So there's three things right now that are released to the public that are big black eyes to them. And now this comes along, this plagiarizing thing. This is this is going to be a big story, Dave, I think. I've already, it's already several places have already picked it up since I posted it this morning. Like It'll be Canada on the Common Press. Sense show before sundown. Well, that's good. Yeah, we we got to get this out. If enough people get oh, wind no. of this, it's going to it's just going to kick her in the gut. I mean, you know, you, everybody's got ideas. But when you plagiarize ideas and you call yourself an intellectual, Sorry, it doesn't play. If Pat, you plagiarize, you're busted. You should not be surprised. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen the video, The Brains Behind Ocasio-Cortez. Yes, I have. And the exquisite documentation that's coming out parallel to that, that the Justice Democrats did a casting call for several yes. Democratic seats to oust main, most more centrist Democrats in the primary yeah. process. And yeah. Ocasio-Cortez went straight from the bar where she was doing wet t-shirt contests and she was yep. selected. She's a mouthpiece, yes. but when she goes off script, she reveals all there is to reveal. Which is nothing, <laughs> basically. Might as well put her T-shirt back on, uh, keep people's attention. But what I want to know at this point is, and we're not done digging on this, I want to find a connection between the Justice Democrats who say that they're all independent people and no, they don't, they're all just small donations and stuff like that. That's nonsense. I want to find out who's behind these people and what the connections are, because you know that members of like like John Podesta's group, for instance, you know, those kind of people are hanging around in the shadows and have either funded or pushed or whatever or promoted these people to do what they're doing today. You know that they're behind it. We're going to find those links, Dave. We're going to publish them as fast as we can. Well, Pat, if you had told me what you've told me and said, do you think it goes further? I would have said, sounds like the Clinton Foundation to me. And then when the name Podesta comes up, do we need oh, yeah. much more to know that's where we should be looking? Well, that's one place I'm going to look. You can bet on it. But there's all the Club of Rome people. There's quite a list of them. And of course, there's still all the Trilateral Commission people who are, who are behind this as well. So... There's some money out there. There's big money out there. And these people can't launch this this big of a campaign on a shoestring. Life doesn't work that way. If life worked that way, you and I would be national figures right now, right? We'd be, we'd be on ABC, NBC, and whatever, CNN, having our own anchor news show by, by now if, if, if we could do it on a shoestring. Life doesn't work that way. And they're trying to tell us, oh, we're just poor boys from wherever. You know, we, we're only taking small donations from individuals. We don't take any corporate money. No, that that would be corruption. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. And they're and they, telling us also that they have a bridge they'd like to sell us from Brooklyn. You know, it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> I, I Well, the way I see this is they're probing they're finding anything they can use to tear down the existing system of course that's been that has been the goal dave to tear down our existing economic system that since 1973 the trilateral commission said 
that they're going to create a new international economic order. That's what they said. That was on their literature. In 1974, the very next year, surprise, surprise, the United Nations passes a general resolution called for the establishment of a new international economic order. Same term, same name. Well, how about that? How'd the UN get that idea? Just out of the blue? I mean, never. nobody ever mentioned that phrase before. Well, of course not. The United Nations and the Rockefeller crowd have been tight like thieves ever since the UN was created. In fact, it sits on land that was donated by the Rockefeller family to the United Nations to be there. So, yeah, so they passed it off, even starting in 1974 to the United Nations. And just a few short years later, in 1992, it became full-fledged doctrine that now spread beyond the borders of, of the United States to every nation in the world. Not just a few, but every every nation. They're okay. all signed on to it. Thanks to people like you, mostly you and Anthony Sutton. I have a good grasp of what the Trilateral Commission's about. Now that there seems to be a little s separation here between the Club of Rome personnel and the Trilaterals, tell me about the Club of Rome. What characterizes the Club of Rome via their membership? Well, number one, they're all radical environmentalists. They're, they're the one, they were the ones that started the original uh, scaremongering, uh, what, what, what can I call it, a, a, a technique, scaremongering technique to get your way. Um, Paul Ehrlich experimented with that with Population Bomb, but when Limits to Power was produced, uh, was written in 19, uh, I think it was 1968 or 69, Limits to Power, uh, Perfected it, it, it turned it into an art form to promote crisis, uh, crisis type memes that would demand political action. And in their own words, and and these were, and I say in the Club of Rome's own words, <clears throat> they were the people that created the whole global warming mantra in the first place. <clears throat> they admit that. It's like unbelievable. But they wrote another book in 1991 <clears throat> that said this. It's called The First Global Revolution. This is right before Rio. Oh, oh and by the way, yeah, all the people at Rio that weren't members of the Trilateral Commission were, were members of the Club of Rome. But they wrote in this book in 1991, The First Global Revolution, they wrote, In searching for a common enemy against whom we can unite, we came up with the idea. Oh, wait. We came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. Their totality and their interaction uh, interactions, these phenomena do constitute a common threat which must be confronted by everyone together. This is what they wrote in 1991. They said, we came up with the idea of global warming, and I believe they did. And it came from their original book. All of that mantra was picked up on the side by the Trilateral Commission and used like cannon fodder to infiltrate the United Nations. And this is all we've been hearing. This We're going to all die. You know, what did Al Gore say just a few years ago? All the, the, the ice caps are going to melt and the seas are going to rise and New York's going to be underwater and half the, you know, half the world's going to die. Well, we're still here. And Al Gore has never apologized for his ridiculous statement in the first place. And they just continue to make these kind of statements even but now. Even goes farther back than you that. You know, they just make up new ones. You say, well, you you know, if you you weren't stupid enough to take the last, we'll just make up new stupid things to say. Well, Pat, I remember the 1970s gas lines. And they said, oh, they're necessary. Yes. We've got to raise the prices because we're going to run out of fuel by 1990. Yes. Yes. Here it's we are crazy. 30, 30 years later. I mean, I, I know these predictions are just, I, I want to say they're, they're world-class deceptions or world-class, I don't know, whatever, world-class something, but they're so ridiculous. This report we talked about earlier, the a Global Green New Deal that came from UNEP, they made some predictions. They put them in a special little box in the, with bullet points and stuff. They made some predictions in 2009 
Tell me how many of these you think are true that actually took place. Okay, here's number one. Global energy demand will rise by 45% by 2030, and the price of oil is expected to rise to $180 a barrel. No true or false. Yeah, it's $59 a barrel today. How about that? Here's another one. Greenhouse gas emissions will increase by 45% by 2030, leading to an increase in the global average temperature of up to 60 C. Oh, no. No way. <laughs> I mean, first of all, we only account for about 3 to 4% of CO2 anyway. I know. I, yeah, I no, know. No, so, it's nonsense. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, the, we could we could call this marble comic type science almost, you know? <laughs> That's a good Here's another one. I like that. The, <laughs> the world economy will sustain losses equivalent to 5 to 10% of, of GDP, and poor countries suffer costs in excess of 10% of GDP. That never happened. Not well, it depends even how you close. measure. If, if you don't count the credit swap derivatives, that's true. I mean, that statement's false. Yeah. But if you count them, it's way over that. I mean, we're talking money yeah. on computer digits is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Here's I'm talking one. bailout yeah. stuff. But yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying, though. Effectively yeah. stay, staying with this line of reasoning and making it uh, climatological in reference, it's total nonsense. It, it's, it's, it's using a crystal ball to, to foresee the future that nobody can see anyway. But here's another one. There will be over 1 billion people living on less than $1 a day and 3 billion people living on less than $2 a day by 2015. Now, this is a good one because 2015 is four years behind us, right? <laughs> so we, we, can, we can nail this pretty easily. The World Bank said in 2018 that the number of people in the world living on under $2 a day was 767 million. They had predicted that there would be 3 million living on less than $2 a day. You mean 3 billion? Yeah, 3 billion. Mm -hmm. Not even close, not even close. They, they failed on everything. Now, why would anybody consider these people to be smart if, anything, if everything they ever said never came true? Because the media gives them time. That's right. And they That's own it. the media. Their interests own the media. That's right. And the only thing that keeps them going is deception. They must deceive. They must deceive. And that's what it is. It's a deception. Well, they're going to fail with this. Yes. That's my prediction. We see these massive crime waves with interwoven government figures and and uh, terrorists and cartels, they're failing. They're, yes. they're failing across the board, Pat. I mean, just taking your situation that we're talking about today and lining it up among all the other things that I cover, the globalists are failing. You know what scares me? They're the animal backed into the corner. Something big is coming. Yeah, they are. They are somewhat backed into the corner and the people, are getting very feisty out here and in different parts of the world. Look at the Ye the yellow vest movement. Exactly, in I was France. just going to say that. Exactly, yellow vest. Yeah. Uh, Brazil elected Donald Trump. Right. Uh, so did the Philippines. People have had it. The yellow yep. vest, by the way, have migrated to Canada. Did you know that? <laughs> yes, I saw it. <laughs> and you know, I don't know if the movement's going to catch on here. It's going to be interesting if it does. Um, but, you know, on one hand, you kind of hate to see them turn violent with all the violent protests and stuff because, you know, then that gives everybody kind of a bad taste. But um, you can, people do things in France differently than we do in America. And it, it would be kind of cool to see, you know, half a million people marching on Washington with yellow vests on. If they pull in this new Green Deal, mm -hmm. there'll be more than that. Yeah. There'll be way more than that. You know, this is an ongoing story. So, Pat, you have an open invitation to contact me when there's updates because I, I want to continue this line of reasoning. This so closely parallels what I'm covering in Humboldt County and CalExit and how they're mm. trying to undermine the existing system. It's it's the same thing, just a different genre, but it's the same strategy, same exact strategy. And, you know, my wife asked me one day, she paid me a nice compliment. She goes, how do you know what's coming? Because, you know, you and I both make see things and add them up. I said, I have their playbook. Mm -hmm. They do things the same way. Sure. And, and they said, mm -hmm. if I know the first or two, two or three things they're doing, I said, I can tell you the fourth thing they're doing. 
Anyway, my voice has about had it, so what I want to do is step aside and, and, and listen. To the audience, I apologize. I profusely apologize for tonal quality here because I'm a little under the weather, but I think you could see how important this message was, and so you can stay on top of it. I would like Pat to tell everyone how you can follow, the audience can follow his good work. Absolutely. First thing is head over to technocracy.news. Pick up the articles off the homepage. Uh, the Green New Deal plagiarism, plagiarism article is on the front page right now. It'll be visible if you don't see it uh, somewhere on the page. Check that out, <clears throat> number one. And if you really want to get the dots connected for you to really get underneath this whole thing, somewhere along the way, you need to get a copy of one of my books and really sit down and study it and read it, get a marker out, get a pencil out, get a notebook out to take notes. There's two books that are available. The older one is Technocracy Rising, Yes. The Trojan Horse of Global Transformation. That's a very good background book, gives a lot of history. My new book, just called Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order, that is more modern with examples and stuff, stuff like this. It's a little bit more, uh, a little bit easier for people to read uh, it's a little bit shorter. It's a little bit easier to read. I did that on purpose so that more people would read it. But this this will connect the dots for people in ways that they've never seen them connected before. And I have to say, it is documented to the hilt. I don't. Well, you know me, Dave. I don't buy into conspiracy theories. I I walk away from them by and large. I always say, show me the beef. Exactly. If you got proof, bring it to the table. If you don't, God bless bless you, but I'm not going to play the game. You know, I mean, people do that. People come up with stuff and that, you know, that may result in something, but I just don't do that. I never have. Anthony Sutton trained me on that. He said, if you can't document it and, you know, dot the, dot the I's and cross the T's and get proof positive that what you're talking about, just don't talk about it. Just don't bring it up. Well, on that, we are out of time. We're up against the wall. Pat, I do mean it. Uh, As things unfold and you have more, please do not hesitate to reach out to us here and we'll get you right on. My pleasure. I certainly will. Thank you for your effort and your time. This is incredible. Pat Wood, ladies and gentlemen, worth following. He's on top of things. Thanks for joining us. Promise I'll sound like myself the next time we talk. (laughs) Okay. And again, thanks to Pat. Good night, everybody.